Hey, I just launched the new YouTube channel for Technically Speaking. There will be three things you'll need to do. Head to youtube.com, search for Technically Speaking, and hit the subscribe button. Invite your friends, family, or the whole neighborhood while you're at it, and tell them to subscribe. The mic is hot, Angelica. The mic is hot. <laughs> My name is Harrison Wheeler, and you're listening to Technically Speaking. Welcome to another episode of Technically Speaking, a podcast about design and the human experience. I sit down with Angelica McKinley, who is currently a creative director at Google. She has had such an array of experience around design, even writing for the New York Times, coding, and communication design. I mean, she, she knows her stuff. In this episode, we'll talk about specifically what equity in illustration means and the important role that it plays as brands need to have a point of view on social issues. If you've ever seen the doodles on Google as of late, which I'm sure you have, you can probably trace it back to her. We'll touch on the impact of the work that she did on Juneteenth, and the responsibility and impact that it carried for her. Uh, this project for Juneteenth was was a lot. I think it was pressure not only just for myself, like of just like the standard I hold myself to, but just like um, how momentous this time is and then this holiday within this time. Angelica, welcome to the show. How you been? I'm doing good. How are you, Harrison? I'm good. I'm good. It's it's been an eventful, uh, you know, three months, but uh, you know, we're, we're we're talking through it. It has been a year in three months. 2020 really laid some bricks <laughs> on us. Some good ones in terms of like some hope for the future. Yeah. Some hope for some change, but yep. it's it's been a, a very emotionally tough year, but I, I'm happy to be here with you and for us to just be having this conversation at the same time. Well, I'm I'm glad that you're here. How long have you been out in the Bay Area? I've been in the Bay Area for about three years now. Actually, yeah, I just had my third year anniversary in April and it has been a lot. I've learned a lot. Uh, for me, it's definitely been an experience. Um, I mean, I started kind of my career at like 100-year-old institutions called newspapers for people who may not, you know, know what those are. But now they're called media organizations. But um, yeah, I started off there and to then especially start my like tech and Bay Area journey with a startup by working at Slack, it was it was definitely a, a change. If you had like one word, how would you summarize that pivot? Ooh, one word. I think I would say three 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 <laughs> words. I, I mean, I'll help you out. Yes, help me out. <laughs> Throw me a little bone. Um, I would say in three words, the pivot was transformational mm. and eye opening. How so? Um, Eye-opening because, you know, just being a Black person in tech, they really started to hit home to me. Like, I was like, oh, I can now actually see with my eyes what people are talking about. And I think um, I think that was important. 
And it's also made me realize that like how we how um, sometimes media organizations cover uh, California is is maybe not as well balanced as we would like for it to be. <laughs> you mentioned that you'd worked at the New York Times. You've moved out here. You've seen you work at organizations like Slack, uh, you know, Apple, and and now you're working at Google. Um, I mean, what is what has that been like? I mean, you're looking at uh, you're looking at writing, you're looking at coding, illustration, marketing. How, how do you how do you maintain you know these different sort of skills on different mediums and platforms? I think that's a, a really cool question. Like um, one of the things that I do credit to like starting in editorial design and illustration is that kind of scrappy nature that we talk about in tech from startups. Um, there were a lot of opportunities for me at the New York Times and even at the first paper I worked at, at the Roanoke Times in Roanoke, Virginia, um, that allowed for me to learn new skills and to like kind of apply them in creative ways. Um, there was ability to experiment, you know, within uh, certain boundaries, but there was definitely um, a willingness to tell someone like, hey, well, if you can figure it out and bring me something and show me what that looks like, we could possibly do it. And so if you kind of have that mentality or that ability within an organization, it does sometimes create room for that. And um, when I've looked back recently and about how all this experience leads up to working on the Doodle team, I feel like it's it's heavily relies on my ability to like dabble and also to understand the constraints of various different disciplines. Um, I still have to think about UX, how someone's going to like experience the artwork that we put up, how, like, how can I make it more enticing for them to like, want to click on that? Uh, Cause I've definitely read about people on Twitter saying that they, uh, well, today I decided to click on it. So, you know, I'm curious about that just as much about the, the art part of it. And I think um, also one of the things that I think is really fun is that I didn't really spend a lot of my career making videos, but in my first two um, Google doodles, well, actually the first three, yeah, or the biggest ones have been like video and um, really like playing more with that medium, even though it was something that I sort of had learned skills, like I knew how to use Final Cut Pro or how to like kind of play around in Adobe Premiere from my time in news, because you might be asked to like, hey, can you put together these like clips real quick? <laughs> so so Google Doodles, like that is that is a very high profile responsibility when it comes to design. Um, I mean, Google is like the gateway to the internet. How do you handle that that pressure, if there's any? Oh, man. Uh, speaking of pressure, this last project, uh, this project for Juneteenth was, was a lot. I think it was pressure not only just for myself, like of just like the standard I hold myself to, but just like um, how momentous this time is and then this holiday within this time. And I think the other thread that, I guess I kind of you see throughout my career and through leading up to the Google team is that I am huge into information and visual storytelling. I love being able to tell stories about our people or tell stories about um, the black experience in an elevated way, like through these like highly sophisticated visuals or through just like um, the mechanisms of like, you know, using different digital tools or using new techniques. I feel like our stories should carry that same weight. And that's how I felt in journalism as well. And so, yeah, I think um, there's a lot of pressure I put on myself with thinking about all those things. And this 
and to be honest with you, during this time, it that project was extremely hard. There were very many times where I like was crying or kind of felt like, is this is this an important thing to do? Should I be out like using my body as a form of expression about what's going on? Should I be online like writing things and sending things and sharing things? Like so many thoughts went through my mind about it and. Um, it really was like the help of like my husband, who I feel like a super steady rock, like he's always clear through these things. But even just talking with other friends and people and being like, but hey, you, there is a voice that you have and you've always used it in this way. And so how can you make the most of this opportunity? Sort of like the different mediums that you've worked in. It seems like this has kind of been the convergence of all of those experiences. It's just the output is in a different sort of medium. Um, I think multiple times in my career, I've been a designer as a part of a project, right? Like you may start off as a junior designer in news and editorial. You're like a junior designer on a team and there's maybe a lead, right? And then maybe you move up into that like more senior role. Someone's not really looking over your work. You're um, getting easy approvals. People start to trust you and your caliber. And then it like moves up into leading like other people, maybe it's not managing them hands-on, but you're kind of leading the like creative vision, the artistic vision. And I felt like that definitely has felt like a natural progression, but I would even add in that for me, I've also made some lateral moves as well as like trying to move up to be like more senior. And then those lateral moves have uh, to me really taught me a lot. I think definitely moving to tech really helped me one with articulating the things that I knew I could do, but we didn't talk about in that way in the like media world. Um, like one of the things I remember having a conversation with someone about was like redoing my entire resume and like really getting a lot of the jargon from news out of it and really trying to focus on like, well, what was the result of the efforts that I did? Like I may have like led the design of like this section, but what does that really mean? That means like I really actually created a visual framework that other designers could use and pick up very easily. I made libraries uh, that updated with the frequency of our like visual language. Like I created documentation, like really getting into like, well, what was the result? And I, I really thought it was interesting that that was something in the transition that didn't really, wasn't really expressed. Right. Like, you know, that it wasn't something I knew and it wasn't something someone was telling mm. me. So speaking of like the results, like what it, what has been a result of your work, like doing, you know, these doodles? One, I think um, the result has been um, much more variety of the types of illustrators that we work with. I think that the team was already like moving in that direction. I think that that's very important to Google and to the team. I think that, you know, I help bring a different perspective. I know I'm always pushing one um, for people who don't always fit the classic mode, right? Like I think we, we tend to like elevate, like especially art and illustration to a certain standard. And I want to kind of bring a little bit mm. of the less perfectness in, right? And it, I think it's something I've thought about over the years working mm. as a designer. Like you've worked in different ones where at first they were like, it needs to be pixel perfect, or we need to make sure everything is all tidy and lined up correctly, right? And lately I've been really, 
I've been starting to feel like, let's have a little bit of imperfection in there. Let's have a little bit of difference in there. Like, let's like let things kind of breathe and be a little bit more organic. And I think that that's how we can bring more authentic Mm -hmm. perspectives to the topics that we want to discuss. Ever have an idea of starting a podcast? I had one for quite a while before I took the leap and started Technically Speaking. Anchor.fm made it easier than ever. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast and it has everything you need in one place. Let me explain. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone, tablet, or computer. It handles all of your distribution so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Did I mention it's free? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Before the show, we were talking a little bit about um, equity in in illustration. Uh, Be great if you kind of dive in a little bit of your thoughts around that thinking. Yeah, um, I've actually been thinking a lot about um, equity in design and especially with that um, event we were talking about earlier, um, where are all the Black designers? And thinking about Mm -hmm. it specifically with illustration, um, when I first moved to tech, um, I was working on the redesign of Slack.com, and I ended up stumbling upon this art director's article that talked about how all the illustrations in Silicon Valley was starting to look the same. And it was kind of like a, this trend at that time, which is like small heads, big bodies, like this kind of thing. And um, I feel like, you know, part of it was just like, you know, these figures are very like relatable. They're like vector and kind of loose um, and um, but also like graphic And so, you know, not very detailed. And I think that they can like, you can put a lot of personality onto them. But the personality that tech and most companies seem to gravitate towards is like, you know, happiness and more like joyful expressions. And I think when we think about equity in illustration, we have to think about people of color and specifically Black people bringing their experience into their artwork and bringing like the tools of which maybe they learned into their artwork. And how can we be more accepting and inclusive of that in their work? Because, you know, this this is kind of art, so there's a bit of subjectivity to it. Um, yes, there's some like analytical and hardcore things you can derive from it, but there's there's a bit of that heart in illustration that you still wanna keep there. And so I think it's about like allowing artists to bring their full selves and allowing them to like express that in what they're doing and not trying to control so tightly. Um, And I think with tech in in general, I think it's a challenge with illustration about expressing different emotions. How do you, because it also could be tied like in the case of doodles, like very closely with your brand, right? So how do you express different emotions, but in a meaningful way? Are there any examples of companies you think that are doing this well right now, or is that sort of yet to be seen? I think a lot of companies are kind of going back to the drawing board and kind of like having some more conversations about how they can show up a bit more meaningfully. Right. Um, I think, I think there's a lot Mm. of things to consider as a corporation. You know, I don't, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know all the like back end with the, the law stuff, 
But um, at the same time, I would say that like people are more media savvy now than ever. And people are constantly bombarded with imagery about that with everything that's going on now, right? Like there's so many images at my disposal to a point where sometimes it can become overwhelming. Or I, as I said, I think people have just gotten extremely more savvy. They're able to really cut through some of the BS or just some of the like, "Mm, that doesn't feel very authentic. And so like when it comes to, I think, um, branding and identity, I think Yes, you want to like make sure you're staying aligned with like your company and how it is viewed, you know, playful or, um, you know, helpful or like some of those other adjectives that we may use. But I think it's also going to, and I think TechCrunch may have did a story about this um, a few years ago, but it really stuck with me. It said like branding in the future is going to be a bit more tied to the actual kind of like things your company believes in. Like what we're seeing now, especially in the midst of mm. these huge historical like moments around like racial equity, I think, um, you know, gender, um, just all of these like topics that to me, like, it's like, oh, a side thing. They're like a large part of the conversation that I think brands not having a comment or not having a right. point of view is is going to alter. What are some things you think that, you know, folks that are working in illustration and organizations can do yeah. today to build in more equity uh, around illustration and, and, and imagery? Uh, the first thing I think people can do to build in more equity and illustration is check your sources, boo. Where are you sourcing people? Um, after working on the Juneteenth Doodle, I've definitely, I've had a couple people ask me, about sourcing um, imagery. And I would say I look at a lot of different things. Like one, I'm an avid reader. I came from newspapers. So of course I'm looking at the New York Times, which produces like volumes of illustrations on a weekly basis to looking at the New Yorker, which like has that very like crafted, elegant um, feel to it. But I don't just stop there. Like I also check Instagram a lot and follow a lot of the like drawing groups. There was this one really great resource actually two really great resources. Um, a young lady on Twitter had posted about um, drawing while black and has made like an air table from uh, the hashtag. Um, there's also, um, I think there's like a black designers website, blacks in design, um, using that to maybe look for people. Um, I have a friend who he um, has a company called Meaningful Gigs which helps place uh, designers um, from Africa into like different roles because he feels like design is gonna be this equitable thing, especially now that the tools are more web-based. And so I think think we have to really go outside our comfort systems um, and really try to look with a more kind of like um, futuristic eye on the people that we're looking at. Like, you know, I like to try not to say that like someone's necessarily not ready, but I like to say, you know, I haven't found the subject yet. I haven't found the match mm-hmm. yet, but really being just a lot more proactive because there's so many great groups and resources. And even if like a social media search doesn't yield like a person immediately, I've found like five or six people who like may come up for a different project. Um, I found a couple new groups that I could follow that invest in artists 
Um, and it just kind of keeps helping that community because once again, I think art and design are just communities. And how do we like bolster mm-hmm. those communities for different groups? Like some of my favorite um, things that have been to look for is indigenous artists and indigenous um, illustrators or animators or creators. Like, you know, thinking about that group and like not just indigenous to the U.S., but thinking globally, people who are indigenous to Australia or um, Canada. Like, how can we also like weave their experience into the things that we create? The second thing about equity, um, I would say, is probably demystifying a little bit of the veil with illustration. Um I, you know, I definitely have artistic ability, but I do not call myself an illustrator. (laughs) Um, But I think that that's okay. And and I think sometimes that isn't said enough um, or isn't said like what the experience of being um, an illustrator and also what the experience of being an art director, creative director, working with an illustrator is. And I think... um, especially thinking about my like news days, I think of art directors a lot like photo editors and things like that, where we're like shaping the vision, like, and we're really good at identifying the talent that can take us to that vision. But I feel like there's been a lot of mystery around art directors. There's not a lot of black female art directors or creative directors, and especially in um, tech companies or in, Uh, some of these more like dominant fields where there are a lot of art directors. And I think part of it is just this feeling like it can be kind of insurmountable. Like, how do I get there? Um, But I think that if you're like having a strong passion about illustration, if you have a strong passion about design, if you are a person who doesn't mind learning new things and tinkering around, that there could be a lot of of space for you in that. Because I think as an art director, I draw on a lot of knowledge, right? Like when I'm doing research, so I'm having to draw on my like reporter journalist brain. I'm also having to draw into my artistic side and think about like, how do I want this to feel? What is the right style? Um, I'm also having to lean into my people person and like um, extrovertness uh, for this, like, you know, to like really get people on board for a project, not some people may be surprised, but not everybody necessarily wants to work with your company. <laughs> so um, how do you like get people excited about what you're doing and, and feel like it's meaningful? So I feel like it does draw all those different things. And I feel like it's it's kind of just dropping that veil so people can kind of see uh, what those roles are like, because it, it is different, a little bit more behind the scenes. And then I guess the third thing um, for illustration is... Um, I just like to say being willing to take a chance. I think um, I know when you're producing at certain levels, it can feel very hard to take a chance, but I think there are definitely different levers and different projects to pull on where you can uh, use someone new or maybe look for someone who's like budding out of college or Um, maybe taking a chance on um, someone who may not be as digitally savvy, but their artwork is really, really great. And how can you like bring them into this new sphere? I think those are kind of like all the things I definitely think about. Thank you so much for those tips, Angelica. And thank you for coming on the show. Um, Is there anything that you want to leave with the listeners before 
the episode ends. I think the last thing I want to leave with listeners and especially um, our black designers out there is that I could not have anticipated this path. I could not have like written it in a book. Um, I did keep like one journal that I read recently where I said, well, I know I don't want to be just a page newspaper designer anymore. (laughs) So like, I feel like there's like some little things we know, but we never really know where we're going. And I feel like what has made it the journey sad, but also sweet sometimes is being open to like different roles, being open to like learning new things and really keeping learning and, you know, some fun too. I'm just like a huge book nerd, but um, learning and like fun as a part of it and not, um, and everybody's journey won't be the same. Like I said, it, it's, it's, it, it's kind of amazing when I look back and I'm like, yo, I started off making $30,000 in Roanoke, Virginia. You know, it's mm. some persistence, but some luck, right. but also some like, hey, I think this is interesting or like, I want to try this and, and being open to that experience. Enjoy this episode. Be sure to hit the subscribe button on whatever podcast platform that you use. You can also subscribe to my newsletter at harrisonwheeler.com for the latest industry insights, new article posts, and announcements of future guests on the show. Once again, thanks for listening to this episode of Technically Speaking. I'm your host, Harrison Wheeler, and I'm out.